0: Hi, my name is Paula Friesen, and I'm the host of Pouring It With Paula, a podcast that gives you an inside look at my family's heartbreak due to the judgment of others, due to preconceived notions that people had regarding our family, Um, in particular nurses and doctors, and their target was my daughter. If you haven't yet listened to any of my episodes, I would certainly encourage you to take a listen. Um, but in the meantime, here's a little recap. Uh, Terry was my third daughter. Um, she was born globally, developmentally delayed. Um, she struggled with her fine motor skills, you know, such as she was uncoordinated, um, She had a speech impediment, and she would often um, mix up words. Um, And at age 11, she was diagnosed with diabetes, and she was what they refer to as a brittle diabetic. Um, As a result, Terry spent a lot of time in and out of hospital, because her blood sugars would fluctuate. Um, She ended up with other complications Um, from her diabetes. Um, And after a 19-year struggle, um, she ultimately um, passed away. Uh, My last two episodes were me talking about her passing away and her service. Um, Don't get me wrong. She she could be stubborn as I'll get up. And I, as I've said in previous podcasts, I think that's, you know, her dad's side. Um, but we went through quite a bit as a family. Uh, a lot of it was while Terry was hospitalized, people would accuse her. Not everybody. Not, certainly not everybody. But there were some nurses who had this notion that... Terry would make herself sick to be hospitalized because we, because we were foster parents. How could we possibly have enough time to give everybody attention, <clears throat> which in reality was the complete opposite. There was just more, more of us to love. We were just a big crazy family, um, but we certainly didn't lack any love or attention. Um, But as a result of people's idea of who they thought Terry was and who they thought we were as a family, um, it's my belief that she lacked, sometimes, proper care. Um, And I would like for these podcasts to maybe, somebody could take away from this that your judgment or your preconceived notions, what it can do to a person and what it can do to their family. And I would really like to thank you for joining me today as I pour out my heart. Listening to the sound of my own heartbeat, and it sounds so irregular, my husband Tim is sleeping quietly beside me as the tears streamed down my face. This night, unlike all others, I don't get out of bed, and the reality of my sweet daughter's death hits me like a heavy bowler lay across my chest. How could this be? How do I get through my life without her? Doesn't seem possible. It's now been almost three months since I last heard her voice, her infectious laugh. Felt her arms embrace me for a hug. Inside, I'm screaming, and my heart feels as though it's been broken into a million pieces. I feel like I can't breathe. I should be going to her room to do her 3 a.m. blood sugar check. But she's not there. For 18 years, this, for the most part, my routine. My internal alarm clock set for the same time. The first few weeks after her death, I would make it to her bedroom door before reality would hit me. And I'd crumble into the hall. Then it was many nights of getting as far as my bedroom door. But tonight I lay here. I want so badly to be able to go to her room. And see her sleeping peacefully as I prick her finger. Sometimes she'd wake and give me a sweet sleepy smile. When she would wake she'd always ask if her blood sugar was okay. With a kiss on the forehead or cheek, I would reassure her that all was well, Then most nights she'd fall back to sleep before I'd even have a chance to leave her room. (laughs) I'd often sit there and look at her in awe. (laughs) No different than when she was a baby. I felt so blessed to have such an amazing child. It didn't matter to me that she was developmentally delayed with type 1 diabetes. To me, she was perfect. I somehow always knew that she was special. Even though she was unable to read or write, she had much to teach us. If the whole world was like her, it would be such a beautiful place to live. And quite frankly, I'm unable to accept this world without her. Several hours have gone by now, and I start to doze back to sleep. As I do, I wonder if I'll ever be able to accept this world without her. A short time later, I wake to start my day, but nothing looks the same. I literally have to drag myself out of bed. My mind, my heart, (laughs) just feels so bruised and battered. I have no concept of the time, other than I know it's morning, as I can see the daylight streaming through the windows. My legs feel like rubber as I make my way to the bathroom. I'm barely able to function enough to even know if I have to use the washroom. I stand by the bathroom sink to wash my face, struggling to lift my head. And it's then that I get a glimpse of the stranger in the mirror. I'm unsure how much time has gone by as I stare at the stranger in the mirror. She has tears streaming down her face, swollen eyes. And her face is just red and blotchy. The woman that once appeared in the mirror died three months ago with her daughter, and has been replaced by someone I don't recognize. As I continue to stare at the stranger, I see her lips move as she screams out for her daughter and the woman she once knew in the mirror. I'm unsure if the screams are heard by anyone other than in her own head. (laughs) The ever-present sound of my heart pounding is all that I hear, and it's almost deafening, How is it, I wonder, that my heart is still pounding and beating (laughs) when I feel dead inside? In that moment, I decide that the stranger should shower, and I wonder when she last did. With my heart continuing to race and my head down, I prepare to leave the safety of my bedroom. Terry's now empty room across the hall and I'm unable to bear the sight of it. I turn my body sideways so I don't have to look as I make my way down the hall to our front door. I prepare to take my place out on the deck. This is where I spend my days now. Our home that was once filled with so much and so many and included so much love and laughter is now a building full of silence. I met outside on the deck by my daughters this has now become our daily routine Maggie and Allie both get up from the table to embrace me I take my place at the patio table in a chair that faces a building that was once home our roles now reversed as the the girls have now become my caregivers throughout the day Tim has now returned to work and the girls have been taking turns working. When their schedules overlap, they have a family friend, Kim Paul, that comes to stay with me so that I'm never alone. I look at my girls and I see a resemblance between them and the woman in the mirror. They look so broken and lost. I'm unable to provide them comfort, even though I love them more than anything else in this world. They are the reason that I still breathe. I'm torn between two worlds, one where my youngest daughter lives and a world where the rest of my family resides. I want to be with all my children, but this is no longer possible. It's then that I realize that not only did my children lose their sister, but they also lost the mother that they once knew. I have no doubt That the woman that they now look at, they too are struggling to recognize. I'm now left with the task of getting to know this stranger that I've become. I really have no idea where to begin. After all, (laughs) it wasn't as though I could talk to someone else and ask, Who is this person? What's she like? It's impossible because no one knows her. She's a stranger to everyone, although most are unaware, as this stranger looks much the same as the old me. I am aware that the stranger certainly had a rage within, and in many ways she scared me. Everything I knew, I no longer knew. (laughs) Losing my child had shaken me to my very core. I've only left the building that I reside in a handful of times. In the past three months. And I think part of that. Was fear. I was afraid of this rage that I had. And how I would feel. Um, The girls thought that I should try and maybe do something normal. And perhaps go to the grocery store. (laughs) I immediately panicked. As I knew this would mean seeing people. Allie kneels beside me and promises that if we get there and I can't enter the store, I can simply get back in my car and drive home. I muster up the courage and tell myself that it's something I'm eventually going to have to do. As I walk out the front door of the building I reside in, I become keenly aware that I'm putting on a mask and I'm praying that it won't slip. I pull into the parking lot and my heart is racing and my entire body feels as though it's shaking. I enter the grocery store and I immediately see a nurse that's cared for Terry many times in the past. Our eyes meet and she appears to be very uncomfortable. I'm unsure where to look. Neither of us speaks and I feel others' eyes on me. I muster a smile as I quickly become aware that my presence seems to be making others in the store uncomfortable. As I make my way through the store, some people stop and give me a hug, and others pretend not to see me. I'm sure they're grateful that they are not me. The tears again begin to stream down my face as my mask slips. I quickly try to gather my thoughts and pick up the much-needed items for the building that I reside in. I reach the till to pay for the items that I've managed to pick up. The cashier greets me with tears welling as she tells me how very sorry she is to hear about Terry's passing. She tells me that the staff at the store will certainly miss seeing Terry And her smiling face. This touches me deeply and I struggle (laughs) to form the words to thank her. Immediately the cashier apologizes and states that she's really sorry she didn't mean to upset me. I tell her she didn't upset me. (laughs) It means so much to me to hear my daughter's name and to hear that others will also miss her and they haven't forgotten. I load the items into my car, and I feel a small sense of accomplishment. I know, it's a grocery store. (laughs) And I make my way home. As I round the corner, a street over from my house. There she is, standing on her front lawn. The nurse that always wore sheep's clothing to hide the wolf inside. The very person that caused so much pain for my daughter. The woman that I believed helped to kill my child with her judgments and preconceived ideas of who she believed my family to be. I found myself pressing down on the gas. And for a brief second, I planned on running her over. As quickly as I hit the gas, I let it go. (laughs) I think to myself, you'll damage your Mustang. You can't hit her. I mean, you'll have a big dent in the car. A couple of moments later, I pull into my driveway. I have no idea how long I sat in my car as I cried uncontrollably. It was inconceivable to me that I had just contemplated running over a human being and I gave absolutely no thought as to what bodily harm... I may have caused her. (laughs) I was worried about my Mustang. Who the hell had I become? There was a time, (laughs) some years earlier, when I believed this nurse to be very caring. I trusted her, and I trusted that she was giving my child the best possible care. I believed this because she appeared to have a wonderful bedside manner. Each time Terry was admitted to the medicine floor... She would tell us how much it saddened her to see Terry so sick. She would rub Terry's shoulder or forehead and tell her how sweet she was. (laughs) She would try and reassure Terry that she would be on the mend quickly. I was always relieved when she was on shift, as it was a comfort to me when I wasn't able to be there. I felt completely betrayed, that I had allowed someone to give me a complete (laughs) false sense of security. She was not at all who I perceived her to be. What I would learn would hurt deeply, as it was a massive factor in how Terry was treated when admitted to hospital. I had failed my daughter by trusting this person. Another nurse had come to me, (laughs) who also worked on the medicine floor, and asked me if I was familiar with the story of a wolf in sheep's clothing. This nurse appeared somewhat uncomfortable, as we didn't really know each other outside of the hospital. It was during this conversation that I was told that not all was as it seems. It was suggested that I be careful as to who I was trusting. I felt my heart sink, but I needed to dig deeper. I began to ask questions, all the while reminding myself that this could very well be malicious gossip. I had to know, I told myself, as this was my child's life. I was told that this nurse would often talk about and make no secret of how she viewed Terry and how she viewed our family. One of the beliefs was that because we were foster parents, We didn't have enough time for our daughter that was developmentally delayed with a chronic disease. As a result, some drew the conclusion that Terry would purposely make herself sick for a means to get attention. (laughs) Some of the things that were talked about in the break room were things such as, you know, she's not all there. Can you just imagine what their house looks like with all those kids? This nurse shared that there were also some that thought she was faking symptoms. During our conversation, I realized how important this information was. I knew all too well how this was directly impacting Terry's treatment, both medically as well as how she was treated as a human being. I had always known that there were some that had a lack of patience, After all, she had never been admitted to the hospital without someone making a negative statement or untruth about her. If they had only taken a moment to listen to her when she tried to explain herself. As I shared earlier, Terry would often struggle to properly express herself. (laughs) And as a result, she was often misunderstood by some. I believe that if there had been less judgment, and a little more time taken, it would have been beneficial to understanding her, and how to manage her illness. To this day, I've never understood why some didn't do that. When I left the hospital that day after speaking with that nurse, I had no idea what to think. In my heart, I knew that this nurse was telling me the truth, but I wasn't sure I wanted to accept it. To accept this would mean that I had failed my child. A few weeks later, I would receive a visit from a very close friend, who would confirm everything I had been told. My friend had recently attended a candle party, and this nurse was also at the same party. Coincidentally, I was also invited to this party, but was unable to attend as Terry wasn't feeling well. During the party, the nurse began to talk about my daughter using her full name. It was reported that some had tried to shut down the conversation, but it continued. She told the other guests all about her version of Terry Butts. She told them Terry was an attention seeker who wasn't all there. She also expressed her opinion regarding what she thought our host might look like. I was very aware how hard this conversation was for my friend, as I knew it made her very uncomfortable. She wasn't someone to gossip, and absolutely did not like confrontation. I thanked her for coming to me with this information. We embraced, and she told me it sickened her to think that this was someone entrusted to care for other people, and not only to care for other people, but to care for them while they were sick. As uncomfortable as it made her, she told me she knew she had done the right thing by coming to me. The woman that once appeared in the mirror would never have thought of harming anyone, and was someone who taught her children the importance of forgiveness. (laughs) Well, the stranger that now appears in the mirror, will she always be filled with this much rage, I wonder? we had made the decision to relocate shortly after losing Terry and I now knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was the right decision and it was the only one we could make the journey to forgiveness would prove to take quite some time (laughs) but I think what surprised me the most is that it took me much longer to forgive myself than it did to forgive those that had bullied, judged, and shamed my daughter and her family. You see, I had entrusted some of them with the most precious thing in the world to me, my child. My podcast, I hope, will shed some light on the damage that people can cause when they judge others. You haven't lived their story. And I'm sure that everybody has heard the saying, if you can be anything in this world, choose to be kind. Fantastic advice. But it goes beyond just smiling or saying a kind word. Much of it has to do with how we treat people when we're not in their presence, and what we say about them. Our perception can often be false. And I certainly hope that today's podcast will give you a glimpse Of how someone's judgment can alter someone else's very existence. I'd like to once again thank you for joining me today as I poured out my heart. Um, I would really appreciate it if you would follow me or subscribe. You can find me on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Index, Amazon Music, Podcast Attic, Pod Chaser, and Pocket Podcasts. I hope everyone has a fabulous day, and in the words of my girl, always remember to stay cool, cool, cool. Thanks again, and God bless.